Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. A little spending spree by Chris Ballard on day one of, uh, you gotta love it, legal tampering in the NFL. Nothing like it, pretty much. Really, the vast majority of big names already have here. As I record Kevin Bowen back on the edition of Kevin's Corner. Tony Molino, first name. announcing his job, his future of Barstool Sports. Again, we can now have We will get to a new producer at some point here at Kevin's Corner, but uh, we got a quarantine, and uh, I'm not here to risk anybody's lives uh, coming to the studio, so uh, it'll just be me on this edition of Kevin's Corner, and we'll touch on a few quick questions that I was sent. Obviously, the news of the day, but of course, Chris Ballard, you know, I, I, it's a surprise in the sense of like, wait, he gave up that much and he spent that amount of money. We're just not used to him doing that on any, any level. And we'll break down this trade from every angle. Uh, the Colts giving up the 13th overall pick for DeForest Bunk- Buckner, giving him a five-year extension. I've seen kind of hovering right around $20 million, right around there. Whatever the amount is, he's pretty much the second-highest-paid defensive tackle in the league and, without a doubt, the highest-paid Colt player. Um, so as we look at this trade and the impact for the Colts, let's start first with Buckner himself. Then we'll kind of get into price tag, fit, those sorts of things. And I know I've said on this podcast before, when mapping out the 2020 offseason for the Colts, you guys know full well what I think about quarterback. And I've also always tried to stress, this defense needs some dudes. They need some flat-out dogs. They need guys, especially on the defensive line, that are just going to command attention, be disruptive, and impact every level of your defense. And I think that's what you're getting in a guy like Buckner. Um, he'll turn 26 years old tomorrow. Hell, here in a few hours. We're recording this about 9 p.m. on Monday night. Um, so when the fact that you're getting the production level that he's had, 28 and a half sacks, 74 quarterback hits, you know, I can go on and on with some of these numbers. Those are all kind of top five numbers since he's entered the league at the defensive tackle position. You then go to your durability factor as well. 63 starts. He's missed one start in four years. The amount of snaps he's played. I want to say it's the second most of any defensive lineman in the league over that time. It is rare to check the amount of boxes that he checks. And, and I, I want to explain and, and get into why I feel like Chris Ballard felt like this price tag. Because I think that's where people most are curious about. Like, was this too steep of a price tag? But I'm trying to get into a little bit of Ballard's mind of, okay, why did he feel like this player, DeForest Buckner, a guy who's only made one one Pro Bowl in four years, why did he feel like that guy 
deserved the 13th overall pick to acquire him and then hand him, you know, that that 20-ish million dollar five-year extension. But again, it's these boxes of disruption and age and durability. All of those things, I think, were just so attractive to Ballard at a position that means so freaking much to him. I mean, Ballard has talked about this defense in kind of a three-pronged position. Do you have that great will linebacker a la Derek Brooks sort of thing? Okay, that's Darius Leonard. Do you have that nickel slot corner? Those are the hot spots of your defense that see the most activity, and that's where Kenny Moore comes into play. And then do you have that Warren Sapp type of guy, and that's where that was missing. How many times late last season, Tannehill, Winston, Breeze, Minshew, no interior pressure. No chance. No disruptive of a pocket. No muddying of it. Not getting that quarterback off your spot. You know, just guys in rhythm. And we've talked about it endlessly on this podcast. These quarterbacks get in sync, get into the seven. You know, what a five, seven-step drop. Even if it's quicker rhythm stuff, like three-step, boom, spot. Okay, I'm going to eat up that zone. You've got to have bodies that are more disruptive in the interior of your defensive line. Marcus Hunt takes a big step back. Boom, he's obviously cut. Danico Autry, he regresses in his disruption. Tyquan Lewis doesn't take that jump. Now that three technique, which is already a big need, even before last season, Ballard said that, it's now even a bigger need. And I think what you look at with Buckner and specifically the, the the 2019 film of the Colts. His frame, 6'7", 300. Very unique frame, but certainly not like, you know, wide body. I need two or three people to block me on every play. But he's inevitably going to command attention from opposing offensive lines, opposing offensive game plans, those sorts of things. Okay, does that mean multiple blockers now? for a guy like Buckner. And now all of a sudden, that doesn't give you maybe a free blocker to go get Darius Leonard at the second level. Because that's so big. You know, can you have Leonard run free? I didn't feel like he was running free enough. And if it's not Leonard, maybe it's Bobby Okariki. Maybe it's Anthony Walker. Those linebackers need to run free a little bit more. If you you go back and watch that Super Bowl, he was outstanding. He was outstanding in that Super Bowl game. Um... The Week 15 game against Seattle, I believe it was Week 15. Maybe it wasn't that that late, but um, he just helps every level of your defense. Certainly upgrades your defensive line. Then you look at linebackers. I mentioned them running free, and now, okay, a quarterback is pumping a little bit. Now he's getting a little herky-jerky of here, oh, 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 oh. Like, okay, all of a sudden, Buckner has reset that pocket, and now your ends are getting home, or the back end of your defense is now in a better position to make plays. So I think that's where every level um, of your defense just benefits from this um, from this trade. His fit specifically with the Colts, you plug him into that three technique, and I think now you have options. If you want to go a little bit bigger on rundowns, you put Grover Stewart in at that defensive tackle spot, that more the nose tackle look. If you want to go a little bit more of a passing or a little bit lighter, if you will, boom, there's all of a sudden um, Danico Autry 
who can come on the field. And then on the ends, Justin Houston one end, healthy Kamoko Turi on the other. Again, you can play around with with Turi. Turi's more the third down guy. You know, maybe it's al Muhammad. Maybe it's Tyquan Lewis in that role. Maybe Autry kicks out to end on the rundowns. You get really big up front. I mean, you imagine an Autry, Houston, end, which we saw Autry play a little bit end early on in his time here, and then you put Stewart and Buckner in the middle. <laughs> that's, that, that's a pretty good four. And I just think one guy up front can help your defensive line so, so much. Um. You know, if you let some of these guys get single blocked, it can be totally, totally different for how this unit looks. So I think when you're looking at Buckner, the player, has he reached all pro? No, I mean, I think he was second team all pro this past year. But there are reasons, and and character should be thrown in there as well, which we know means a lot to to Ballard. I I found this really interesting about... about, um, about a Forrest Buckner. Voted team MVP by the 49ers coaches. Not George Kittle. Not Nick Bosa. No, no, no. It was DeForest Buckner winning team MVP. And he was, you know, with the 2-14 and 14 all the way to the Super Bowl. Seeing that. Um, witnessing it. Knowing firsthand what it takes to go from that to that. That has to be attractive to Chris Bowder. By by all, all accounts, he's a great character guy. And I think, again, that contributes to, to the price tag that Ballard was willing to not only give San Francisco, but then give Buckner himself. Um, so I think from a player standpoint, this is the sort of guy that you kind of dream of acquiring in free agency. Now, it wasn't just outright giving him the sort of scholar or the sort of um, – almost said scholarship, the sort of price tag that you gave him. No, 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 this is a little bit more than that. But when you talk about a borderline all-pro who is of that age at a major position of need, that you don't get guys that check every box this time of year. And it goes back to what I was talking about. And we'll get into the whole quarterback debate and, you know, okay, number 13 overall is now gone and that eliminates quarterback. Trust me. I get that, and I hear you out, and it's a question that I have. But if we're talking about Buckner the player, there are multiple, multiple reasons why this move makes so much sense and why no matter what happens the rest of the, rest of the offseason, the Colts have improved defensively. Now, when we, we talk about price tag, I mean, it's steep. There is no... Two ways around it. It is a steep price tag. Um, Jim Aiello pointed this out on, on Twitter a little bit earlier today and it got my got my mind thinking back to the trade deadline when there was some debate about, okay, Colts, are they buyers? Are they sellers? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember back then that I looked up the past trades for Chris Bauer. I think at that point he had made 15 trades as a general manager. 11 of them were just like pick for pick, you know, draft day trade sort of thing. Um, Or even like player for pick as well. So think of like your Hassan Ridgeways, your Henry Andersons, your Evan Bames, those sorts of deals. Four of them were player for player. But if you look at those four players, I mean, 
Jacoby's one of them, but it's like Marcus Johnson, Ronald Martin. Um, I forget who the fourth one was. But again, he's just never been a big trade for player, let alone trade a draft pick for a player, let alone a first round draft pick that is number 13 overall. Again, it just goes to show you what Chris Ballard thinks of DeForest Buckner. There are there are not many players in the NFL that you're trading a top half first round pick for and giving them the sort of price tag that that Ballard ended up giving Buckner. So, it is again, it is a very very steep price to pay. Um it is Ballard's first trade of a pick for a player. And when I think of the price tag, that's probably why I don't sit here and give the grade of this trade just slam dunk, A, let's move on. I think Buckner is a tremendous player. Improves your defense, which is huge. But then you look at the value and you're just like, all right, this dude's got to become Aaron Donald. He's got to become that type of player for you. He's got to be a perennial all-pro for you that is a double-digit sack guy. That's where you now have set the bar for him with this value. Um, I know there's some concern about people, and, and, and I have this question too about, well, I mean, what's Buckner going to do here in Indy? Like, uh, Nick Bose is not commanding attention. You know, uh, uh, Eric Armstead isn't on this defensive line. And those are fair, fair questions. I have those same questions as well. And then I go back and watch Buckner a little bit in 2018 when there wasn't Bosa, and he had 12 sacks. He had a, a, a high number of tackles for us. Probably his best individual year, honestly. I mean, that's that's pretty good football. Again, no Bosa there. Now, Armstead, Armstead, you come into this defensive line, you're probably going to be just as good about it. Uh, uh, probably, probably, probably the best player, honestly. So, there's evidence on film of him still being a really high-level player without just a crazy amount of top-ten pick talent that he had in San Francisco, but still, it is a fair question. No one on this Colts defensive line, maybe Houston, commands big-time attention from an opposing offensive line. Buckner does that, and now he doesn't benefit from those guys around him. So I, I think that is a fair question. Now, the quarterback debate is another reason why I just don't give this a straight A. And again, we're, we're, we're recording this at 9 o'clock. I... Uh, I prayed the rosary driving down here to MS Communications that no Philip Rivers news would happen while while recording. And if there is significant news on that front, um, we'll definitely come back with a podcast later in the week. But I wanted to get you one here on Monday night. Does this sort of situation put you into more of the quarterback purgatory? Of like, okay... Now you're not drafting a quarterback in the top half of the first round. Maybe you do trade back into the back half of the first round. I mean, you still got 34 and 44, which is a reason why this trade was even possible. Again, it's because of the great draft capital that Chris Bauer has has accumulated over the years. But do we still have the question about quarterback? Do we still have it in two months? Do we still have it in a year? Do we still have it in two years? That will probably be how we look at this trade. You know, it's kind of like last year's trade of Montez Sweat. You know, that that could have been the pick at 26. Colts decided to move back to 34. You know, how Montez Sweat looks in a decade, okay? You know, that'll probably be how you, how you view that trade largely. You know, same thing here. 
what do the quarterbacks look like in the first half of the first round? Um, and, and I think I think this trade indicates that the Colts either didn't feel like one of those guys was going to be there at 13 or they just didn't love that guy that that much. And I'm sorry for like the, all the puns that were in that comment, but... You know, I I think if they really, really liked one of those quarterbacks, they're sitting there at 13 and in position to make a move. Now it's really difficult. Sure, I guess you could trade up future first and do something crazy like that, but, um, you know, are you just in the quarterback purgatory now? Are you drafting, you know, 18 to 28 or something like that and – and you don't have this draft capital. And now your highest paid player is a defensive tackle. There's not many teams in the league that can say that. Are you now in this kind of awkward situation of, man, we really got it? Because let's make no mistake, Jimmy Garoppolo is certainly better than what you got from Jacoby Brissett this past season. Not to mention San Francisco's defensive line in general is better than what the Colts have currently here going into 2020. So there are still questions to be answered. And again, that's why I sit here and I'm like, you know, I'd probably give it a good B plus. And Buckner as a player, I'd probably go a little bit higher. But it's just that it's just that price tag is a lot. And it's part of doing business in today's NFL. You know, Chris Jones, I can't see Kansas City making that move within the conference. You know, some people sit here and be like, well, could you have gotten like Jadavian Clowney in free agency? And then boom, you get you know, C.D. Lamb at 13, or Jerry Judy at 13. Well, again, in the Colts' eyes, they view three technique, which I think is more of a Buckner fit, less of a Clowney fit, in such high regard. But it's fine to have that debate. What if you went, you know, Clowney and Jordan Love? What if you went, you know, Amari Cooper, Javon Kinlaw, something like that? You know, the but you also asked the question, and I've asked it to myself now a couple times here, is, you no longer have the attractive Andrew Luck bargaining chip. You don't. So how does that impact your ability to recruit your willingness? I mean, this move, you went out and traded for DeForest Buckner. Now, Buckner had to agree to a contract extension and all of that, and certainly money talks, but it's kind of like the Pacers with Malcolm Brogdon. The Pacers know it's very difficult for them to do business in free agency. So for them to get, you know, what they consider, you know, upper echelon player in the league, they've got to go make a, a trade, and they had to give up a first-round pick just to even think about signing the guy. That's kind of what the Colts had to do here. So um, those are reasons to have concern, but I keep on coming back to a few things I've preached a lot this offseason. You need more elite talent. You need more top five guys. And certainly, DeForest Buckner is one of your top five players. And he's an all-pro caliber guy. And you need more of them. It's great to have this nice depth and, oh, yeah, second level, third level. That's fine and well. But come on now. Come on now. Some people that are just going to make some freaking plays. I mean, three quarterback hits for Buckner in the Super Bowl, a sack and a half. I know Kansas City won the game. But DeForest Buckner was a dog. A dog. You know, why did San Francisco want to make this move? I, I I think they didn't feel like their cap space could give Buckner the money he would have wanted. And Buckner would have been a free agent next offseason. 
again, they just felt like they couldn't get there from a financial standpoint. They have depth on their defensive line. Eric Armstead up this year. They gave him, you know what? I think it was – God, this is where I could really use Joey. Um, five for 85, I believe, was Armstead. You know, obviously that's much cheaper than what Buckner is getting. And then they also look at it from a draft pick standpoint. San Francisco drafts number 31. Now they draft number 13, too. They don't draft again until round five. I mean, I assume the Garoppolo pick is one of them, the D Ford pick. Maybe not the Garoppolo pick, but the D Ford pick is one of them. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders pick, I'd assume, is one of them as well. So, I mean, like, there, there's a reason why they felt like they could make this move. That They just needed to balance out the salary cap a little bit more and then, obviously, draft some capital. And, and they might take Ken Law at 13. Hell, they might take Jerry Judy at 13. And That's a damn good football team. But still, you know, this is something to where Ballard's core belief could never be more apparent. You know, he's drafted an offensive guard six overall, and he's pretty much drafted a defensive tackle 13 overall. You know, I don't know how many maybe in today's NFL defensive tackle is becoming more and more of a, a of a real luxury to have. But man, there's not many people that would say interior offensive lineman, interior defensive lineman, that's how you should spend two top 15 picks. But this is Ballard in his belief. And you look on paper, Colts got some damn good young talent <laughs> in the trenches. I mean, some damn good young talent. And if you can get the quarterback play to reach the level that it needs to get to, you can see what Ballard is trying to build. You can see it. Now, quarterback to me, Still a huge missing piece when you look in the long term. But you know, something that I've always said is I trust the Colts' offensive coaching staff, mainly Frank Reich, more than I trust the defensive staff. I, I just think with this scheme, you need players defensively. You need just some studs. You need it. And I think offensively, while you're going, you know, even if you take a quarterback round two, round three, whatever you do, you're going to have to develop. And there's still going to be the question of how high is, a, is that ceiling for that guy. But, man, I, I just think it's it's easier around the quarterback offensively to scheme up some advantages than it is defensively under this system. But when you got guys like Buckner and you got guys like Leonard – and, you know, Kenny Moore keeping on coming and Okariki taking a step and Kari Willis and Hooker and, you know, Ture and, and, and you know, Justin Houston and other guys like that on your defensive line. There, There's more quality because that defense did not play well this year, folks. Do not like, OK, there's a flash here, there's a flash there. They struggled for long stretches. I know the Colts probably disagree with that, but they just didn't play at the level that you need to play at to be, honestly, a playoff team, not even a playoff team that's making a deep run. But Buckner is a guy that impacts you on every single level. Every single level. I got a couple articles up on 107.5thefan.com. Dives a little bit deeper into DeForest Buckner, so check those out if you haven't. Um. Already moving on to Anthony Costanza, I'll just touch briefly on this, just because you know you guys have heard my thoughts on AC. You can't overstate how big of a deal this is that he's back. Two year deal. Two year deal is notable. Um, Thirty three million, highest paid left tackle in the league. 
does a two-year deal like lock him set in stone to play through 2021? No, but if you look at the guarantees, I mean, it's not that front-loaded. So there's still a good amount of enticement to play that second year. I don't even know if enticement's a word. But um, I'm going to act like it's a word because I'm, I'm, I'm shelled up in my home and it's 934 on a Monday night. You know, I felt like if Costanzo retired, left tackle was a must at 13 or 34. If Costanzo went one year, I felt like, okay, 13, take that off the board. I wouldn't call it crazy if you picked a 13, but I think you take it off the, bo- off the board. 34, 44, 75, those, those selections, that's where I would go with a tackle. Now when I see two years, and again, you got to have the belief of Anthony Costanzo, and even if you, he gives you that, he still isn't going to know full well. You can't blame the guy, honestly, if he retires after just one season. But every indication is that you know he feels like he can play two more or wants to play two more. That's when I think maybe you could wait till the fourth round. I don't absolutely love it, but now I'm like, okay, 13 overall is gone. Um, you know, what do you do? Do you go like white out at 34, quarterback 44, left tackle at 75? You still want to think about tight ends, still want to think about corner. You can I would throw another defensive lineman into the mix just because, you know, Autry and Houston are a couple older guys. Uh, obviously, depending on what happens here the rest of free agency. So um Yeah, it's it's just it's such a big deal. And something I, I wrote on 1075 the fan is just he makes this coaching staff sleep easier on Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, game plan nights in the NFL during the fall. I mean, if you don't have Costanza over there, that's an extra hour or two onto your game plan prep. All right, what are we going to do on third down? Do we need to keep Jack Doyle in? Do we, okay, Naeem Hines can't be exiting out of the backfield that that quickly, folks. Instead of going three wides, maybe we just need to go you know, a couple tight ends, you know, things like that. And those are all very fair questions, and the reality of so many teams in the league that don't have a left tackle, they can put on an island and say, all right, folks, we know what our pass protection is on the blind side this week. It's a play caller's dream. And, you know, Frank Reich thought this was the best season of Anthony Costanzo's career, which comes at a huge time because Khalil Mack, T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, you know, waiting on the schedule next year. I wanted to throw in a couple of quotes here um, that if you missed my story up on 107.5 The Fan, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly. These are quotes on Anthony Costanzo before the retirement, but still I thought were, or excuse me, before the um, before the re-signing, but I thought were just, just told a great story on what Costanzo means to those two guys. Nelson says this, My rookie, there is a big difference. The first five games playing without him to when he came back. He'll do anything to make my job easier, and I just appreciate him, his work ethic. The way he comes in every day and sets a great example for a lot of the young guys on this team, and we have a young team, so he sets a great example for all these guys. I mean, Quentin Nelson gets it, folks. He gets what Chris Ballard wants to do, and he knows full well that Anthony Costanzo checks that box. And then Ryan Kelly said this, he's really played at a high level and has been an incredible mentor to everybody in the room, an incredible leader. A guy that I've watched with the way he's prepared his body, takes care of it, and really goes about things as a professional. He's just an incredible peer to have. 
again, Costanzo checks so many boxes for what this team is all about. And the fact that now I've always been about this with free agency in this time of year. And yes, trading 13 can be a little scary and it is a bit scary, but you're going to make these significant moves in the off season. You better sure as hell cross off some important needs. Well, Cassandra coming back helps you out. And now you've crossed off three technique. Now you enter the draft and long-term quarterback is still there. And that is a huge need. And then you think about wideout, but there's not a whole lot outside of that. Now, again, those are big needs. But if you're going to sacrifice resources, make sure that you're addressing them at some pivotal spots. And, you know, you're paying Costanzo and paying Buckner big-time money. Uh, the Marcus Hunt release, not shocking at all to me, folks. I mean, the writing was on the wall early parts of last season. Um, you save about $4 million. And the Colts are now going to just – they now need to monitor the cap a little bit closer. I mean, they still, I think, have right now this recording, 45, 46 million. That's that's a good amount. You could go get Rivers. You could go make make a couple other moves, but um, but you still need to see. Just make sure the books are a little bit tidier than 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 maybe you could have acted without the Buckner news. Um, but again, Marcus Hani was benched, you know, early in the year. Grover Stewart took a spot. I, I couldn't believe until I took a closer look at it the drop in production Hunt had from 2018 to 2019 because and, and credit credit to Hunt he he was very candid in his Instagram post today about you know how how lack of a uh, just really just lack of production that he had this year he had zero sacks zero tackles for loss and zero quarterback hits. This comes one year after he had five sacks, 13 tackles for loss, and six quarterback hits. Because remember, the Colts gave him a two-year extension last March, and I was I was all for it. You know, I've mentioned Hunt. He's a little bit younger than his age. He'll turn 33 this year, but he's a little bit younger than what that age indicates, just purely from a number. And he produced for this team, started 15 games. But he regressed majorly. And honestly, he's a reason why his playing time dipped big time. And, and it is a reason why that this need was so important here in the uh, here in the offseason. All right, let's get into Twitter time. Twitter time, Twitter time, Twitter time. Um, again, as we record this right now, Monday night, I've got an article up um, on our site that looks at uh, the remaining free agents the Colts have of their own. You know, guys like Devin Funches, Jabal Sheard, Clayton Gathers, Joe Haig, Josh Andrews, et cetera, et cetera, Adam Vinatieri, um, you know, Funches, does he want to come back? What's the market look like? Do the Colts, you know, feel like he deserves another contract? Uh, Joe Haig, is he going to go get a starting job somewhere else? Jonathan Williams, does he feel like a better chance for a consistent playing time elsewhere? Still some questions on, on some of those own free agents. Um, but let's get into, um, what do we got here, about 10 or 12 t- Twitter questions. When we come back later in the week, if we do, certainly next week we'll get into a little bit more of a, you know, a nice chunk of Twitter questions. But let's start here with Alaska Colts fan. Kevin, I'm thinking the Colts organization didn't believe they had a shot to land any of the top quarterbacks in this draft at number 13. Thoughts? I think that's a two-fold question there. Yes, maybe they didn't believe they have a shot to land one of those top quarterbacks. And also, you got to go back to Chris Bauer's comments. We're not going to force quarterback. That quarterback's got to check so many boxes for the Colts. And Ballard's a believer in the trenches over a quarterback. 
He's that's his roster building. So I, I just don't think he felt like forcing it for one of those quarterbacks, whether that would have meant trading up to whatever, top five if they thought Tua checked all the boxes or top seven for Herbert or whatever. Um, They just didn't feel like this quarterback class met the potential for them to move up or sit there at 13 and take one of them. You know, I think something that we have to remember about Jordan Love, too, and I tried to point this out at the Combine, you know, when he doesn't do those 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 pre-snap elements, handling run checks, pass protection, do the Colts feel that means you still draft that guy in the top whatever, 10, 15? You know, to me, I, I trust Frank Reich's ability to develop, but maybe the Colts didn't feel like that. Maybe they just thought it was way too whatever, difficult to do, and now with this, this coronavirus situation and it doesn't look like we're going to have much of an off-season program. It's at least going to be delayed, and you can't get you know the top 30 visits, and maybe you can't get into love a little bit more than you would need to, or any quarterback. Because Frank Reich said that at the Combine. If we're going to draft a quarterback, you you got to go make an in-person visit. Like That is an absolute must to make sure that you're really getting to know this guy and that he can achieve you know everything that you uh, that you want him to. All right, uh, Cody, why do so many Colts fans cringe when Phillip Rivers is mentioned as a QB? I personally think he would thrive here for a myriad of reasons, not least of which as a mentor for a young draftee. Thanks for your input. Always a fan of the podcast. Appreciate that, Cody. Um, I honestly don't think a lot of fans cringe. I, I think it's kind of eh, maybe not split, but like, I mean, some fans definitely cringe, but there are other fans that, that I don't think really cringe too, too much. Um. You know, but I think with Rivers, you have the questions that are there. Those are just how big of an upgrade, and are you stunting the growth of a young quarterback? Now, with today's move, if you take quarterback in the second round, you probably aren't going to throw that guy necessarily into the fire. So maybe it does allow for a little bit of a more of a passion of the torch, mentor, mentee sort of thing. But, you know, I understand people that have questions about Rivers. He really struggled in the fourth quarter this year. I know he played behind a bad offensive line, but he had great skill talent around him. And, like, I don't look at the Chargers as a team that has had, like, awful skill talent by any means over the last few years. And I actually think on the defensive side of the ball, they've had some decent talent over there as well. And if you look at Rivers' record as a quarterback, which, you know, QB wins is not the end-all, be-all, but it's something that we frequently point to. And they've made one playoff, one postseason in the last six years. The Chargers are 35 and 45 as a team with Rivers in the last handful of years. So, again, I I can see people that see that side and are scared. Now, I can see other people that would be like, hey, he's an upgrade over Jacoby in this offense, in this scheme with Frank Reich, in this run game. He can get us to whatever, a, a two-win better quarterback than you had last season. And I probably side with those people a little bit more. I'm not, like, staunch and thinking that Rivers is a is a unquestioned upgrade, but I think he's a slight upgrade. All right, Steven, now the Colts have added a DT and an estimated $21 million. Again, the cap number's right around kind of 19 to 20 is what I'm seeing. 
Do you believe we have a chance of signing Amari Cooper or another big free agent signing that's not a QB? Well, Stephen, this is where you get into some of the some of the number crunching. Again, like I said, forty five mil ish, right around there. Um, you know, down the road, it's a Ryan Kelly extension, it's a Leonard extension. So certainly, you got to think about possibly a Malik Hooker, even just a fifth year option that's going to increase his price tag. You know, Marlon Mack, I, just a little bit. Maybe it's not this offseason, but again, maybe something that you're thinking about. So, I mean, if you're giving Cooper, aren't you giving Cooper about 20? It's difficult for me to see another high-priced free agent come in. Anything north of 10, to be honest with you. Yeah, I thought Byron Jones, maybe. But, you know, him going to Miami for a bit, bit for a, for a uh, pretty big price tag. So, yeah, I, I can't, to be honest with you, I can't really see that happening. Tanner, all right, Kevin, we gave up the 13th. The only way I found sense in signing Rivers was to use that draft pick on a new quarterback. Realistically, who can you see taking in the later rounds? Or what will it take to trade back into the first to get in range of love? Big signing, though, huh? Stay healthy. Amen to that. Everybody stay healthy out there. and Hopefully, you know, can provide you a little bit of break during this chaotic time for our country and, and really for our world. You know, Tanner, what will it take to get back into the first round? I mean, not a whole lot to get back into the first round. Now, to get up for love, that's a different story. I mean, it, if unless you send a future pick, I mean, it's going to take quite a lot to get to 20 or 18 or whatever you feel like is the need to get up there to get love. But it'll be a fun draft night, Thursday night, April 23rd. I'm so glad they aren't postponing the draft. Um, it'll be fun just to see. You know, why or how far, I guess, they're willing to move up and if that quarterback starts to fall. Um, but I don't, I mean, you know, all of a sudden we start to see Chris Bauer and Morgan's the major resources. I mean, I can't imagine all that. But, um, and, you know, realistically, who can you see taking, who can you see quarterback wise in those later rounds? I mean, this is where we get into the from and the Eason, and the Jalen Hurts, and, you know, maybe the Anthony Gordons or James Morgan or some of these other guys, but we're going to, including myself, I'm going to have to start taking a closer look at. Tom probably answered this a million times, but if DeForest is worthy of all this, why wasn't he chosen instead of Eric Armstead? Also, doesn't a stat line benefit from who else was on that list? Don't hate it, just suspicious of it. Um, Who else did Tom have on that list? Let me see if I can find it. I think Tom mentioned like Khalil Mack and some of those. Oh, Donald. I think Donald's in there. Name. Mack and Donald, I think, was um, were some of the you know bigger name, bigger priced free agents out there. So you know I, that is a very fair question. That's why I go back to what I said earlier on Buckner. He's got to get to an, a consistent All Pro level. And he's got to do it on a defensive line that has nowhere near the amount of high-level talent that he had in San Francisco. But, you know, theoretically, he's 25, going to be, you know, just turned 26, going into his prime. Like, can he be that menacing three technique that you need in this defense and that you certainly need for the price tag that you're going to give him? You know, why was he, why wasn't he chosen instead of Armstead? Armstead up this year. Uh, clearly his agent, DeForest Buckner's agent, wanted this sort of price tag, and I just don't think they wanted to get 
into a bidding war. And maybe for their defense, they like the depth of their interior guys a little bit better. Maybe they look at the draft and they think, hey, if we move up to 13, we can we can get Javon Kinlaw. And boom, boom there's our plug-and-play guy right there. So maybe it was kind of fits a little bit more. Armstead is, is kind of a unique, versatile, inside-outside guy. Um, maybe a little bit difficult, a little bit more difficult to find than just kind of a natural three technique. So again, those are fair questions, Tom, and it's those questions why Buckner again as a player, I'm giving him a, a, a minus a a type of talent for sure. But when you talk the value, that's where I just just ugh, you know maybe a triple off the wall or something like that. If you're making me go baseball, but um. A lot to depend on what happens with this quarterback trickle down. Stan, do you think this move speaks to how Ballard views Buckner or how he views this quarterback draft class? Well, I think a little bit of both. Now, having said that, I just laid out why Buckner means so much to Ballard. You know, there are multiple, multiple reasons that I've laid out on why he means that much. But... You also got to look at it from, uh, yeah, I mean, they probably didn't fall in love as much with these quarterbacks here in that 13 mix, worthy of that 13 pick, all of those things. You know, Andrew asked about your your thoughts on, you know, trading away a first-round pick. You know, I don't love it, but when you have 34 and 44, it it gives you a little bit of ammo. And, and I think what you have to look at is you're sitting there at 13 hoping you're getting an all-pro. That's the hope. Malik Hooker, you took 15 overall. Hasn't even come close to being an all-pro. That's just two picks later. Now you're getting a guy in Buckner that, yes, he's older. Whatever, three or four years older than a normal first-round pick. But he's already an all-pro type of talent. So, you know, for for a lot of people, that, that checks the box. Now, some people might say, oh, my gosh, if you could do that every year in the first round, you should do it. Some people might say, no, 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 that's not the route you take. You want guys on rookie contracts. It's better for your cap situation, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's clear that this move to me indicates I'd be shocked, really, from a cap situation if they were able to make a move for Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, or something like that. Because that's just that's clogging up your cap for you know three or four more years or whatever, and then you're going to have to pay that guy again, and now you're starting to think about extensions for the Nelsons and the Leonards and um, you know, Brain Smiths of the world and you know, potentially Hooker and those sorts of things. Bill, relative to the other big-name contracts, okay, he kind of asked something similar about Cleo Mack and Aaron Donald. You know, is the $21 million um, a fair price? I kind of answered that already. Chris, with the deal they gave Buckner, could they not have found a more comparable player in free agency and also kept the pick? Love the pod. Happy for Joey. Certainly. Without a doubt right there, Chris. Um. Again, comparable player, not in Chris Bauer's eyes. You know, Chris Jones gets tagged. Kansas City, I would be shocked if they were willing to trade him to a somewhat of a contending team in the AFC. So I think when you talk about the three technique and everything Buckner checks, Clowney, no, Yannick Ngakwe, more of an edge player. In Ballard's eyes, I just don't think he thought it was worth it. You know, could he have found another Danico Autry? Yeah. But it, it is kind of interesting to me that, and trust me, I, I think this move is better than just I think it's a good move. But it is interesting. Ballard finally spends <laughs> in a lot of people's eyes. And, and we have people questioning it. 
which, you know, that's part of it. And, and the price tag is what it is. But like, like I mentioned before, you, you had to upgrade the upper echelon premier guys on your football team. That was a must this offseason, especially at that position of need. And Ballard did that. So I, I'm not going to sit here and just totally question this move and just be like, oh, man, that was just idiotic. No. Is there more pressure on the coaching staff and the scouting department to find the quarterback outside of having more of a premium resource, if you will? Yes, without a doubt. But that's the bed that, you know, the Colts have decided to lay themselves in. All right, Wake Spike. Hey, Joey and KB. Some salt in the wounds there. Wake Spike, sorry, man, but Joey's gone. Joey's gone. With C-19 uh, canceling every big gathering, do you think we'll have the first ever crowdless draft in season of football, or is it more, more likely they just scrap the season? Oh, man. Secondly, Joey does both impressions and stand-up. Is he trying to become the next Frank Caliendo? Keep up the great potting, Todd. Um, I think Joey's just... Joey's an incredible talent. He's not just impressionist. I have said that many times. He's much, much more than that. Um, so I can't wait to see what him and Barstool have in store for his his future, man. SNL. That's that that's that's the long term hope that I hope uh, we all see Joey on one day. Okay, canceling the season, canceling the draft. Yeah, or uh, canceling the crowd draft. Yes, but look, we don't need the crowd. I'm sorry, people. We don't need the crowd for the draft. Just old school it. Old school it. You know, tell us who's picking. Goodell can stand on his desk for all I care and announce every pick. Whatever. The draft doesn't need to be some mega thing. We can still operate it per usual. Uh, I cannot see a crowdless season of football. It would be really interesting. And the NFL, at this point, wouldn't have a choice. It would have been really interesting to see if the NFL, had it been in season, how quickly they would have reacted to all this. Really interesting. Now we see, you know, the delay in offseason workouts. Um, Colts are supposed to start kind of mid-April. I don't think it's the end of the world for the Colts because, you know, they've got their same systems. Offense coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, head coach. Like, that's – Colts are probably one of the more stable franchises, honestly, in the league with that over the last three years. So, all good there. All right, Matt asks a long one about Jordan Love at 13. That's not going to happen. Um. P.S. What is Maddie thinking starting you on this season of The Bachelor? It was brutal. Start with Hannah B. season much better. I'll, re- I'll relay that to uh, to Maddie Bowen. Yeah, th- Friday night, people. I mean, first hour of quarantine, and I'm watching The freaking Bachelor. Barb? Barb the mom? Had to be an actress. There's no way a woman's that crazy in the world. No way. I need sports. We need sports. Live sports. I plead this week. CBS, Turner, True TV, all of you, give me the best first-round games of all time. Put them in the time slots that we're supposed to have games. Same things for Saturday and Sunday for second-round games. Do it next week with the Sweet 16. I don't need to watch Save by the Bell reruns or whatever reruns you're going to show me. Give me some sort of live sports. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that game. All right, Benji, in an upcoming pod, would you mind discussing the exclusive rights tender and why Fountain would need to be tendered? He was just drafted two years ago. Oh, that is a good question. I need to uh, let me see if I can pull up my notes here real real fast on that. That is kind of technical because yeah, I think we are used to most um, 
you know, most kind of day two, day three draft picks, they um, they just have four year deals. You know, you're seeing or like undrafted guys. You saw it with um, with uh, Chester Rogers, you know, as an undrafted free agent. It it was a two year deal, one point, a little over a million for Reese Fountain. Now, exclusive rights free agent pretty much means. Um, that he he's gonna come back on a uh. Let me look this up. I guess it was originally a four-year deal. And exclusive rights means there's a guaranteed contract with if the Colts put that tender on you, you either come back to the Colts or you can't sign anywhere else. That's the impression that I have there. But again, it's a guaranteed deal for the Colts. I don't think he becomes an unrestricted until 2022. I think he becomes a restricted maybe next offseason, if I have that right. Again, I need to – my bad, Benji. I need I need to double-check that because um, it can get weird when you give him the late-round picks. Fountain was a fifth-rounder. But nonetheless, Reese Fountain um, should be back next season. And lastly here from Patrick, assuming you had to fill out the roster needs with league average players, which one of these in the middle of their prime, former Colts, would you like to add to this team? Brandon Stokely, Marlon Jackson, Dallas Clark, Anthony McFarlane. I haven't heard Anthony. It sounds like his mother calling him Anthony. Call him Booger or Raheem Brock. Uh, In their prime, probably give me Clark. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked Clark is with that the rest of that group. But yeah, I, I think this team could use another tight end. Yeah, Clark, Clark for sure would honestly be um be that. All right, everybody, appreciate you joining us here on Kevin's Corner again. Like I said, we will certainly have a producer at some point. Um, I just don't really feel like there's a need to uh, expose people to the office right now, so I'm riding a little solo mission. We'll see if it's necessary for me to come back later in the week. Uh, with any other breaking news, but hopefully this will stay a, a bit time, non-time sensitive um, for you. And I wanted to get it out Monday night, so hopefully you guys will listen to this on Tuesday and kind of get you through all the chaos that we're going through. Uh, just quickly on the draft picks, I, I mentioned something on the website about it. I know there's no first-round pick, but if you missed it, I kind of go into a little bit more detail on the Evan Bame trade, the Nate Hairston trade, why the Colts got some value for Bame, why they didn't get some value for Nate Hairston. So that touches on that over there. So, again, appreciate everyone listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner. Stay safe. Stay sane. Um, Hopefully this will all, you know, honestly, we'll look back on it and be an overreaction, but it's certainly necessary for us to take these measures at this time from a um, medical standpoint and helping out our medical personnel and everyone out there that um, is is needed at this time, whether it's the hospitals or, or nurses or beds or equipment, anything like that for you not only satisfying just normal medical needs, non-coronavirus, whether it's, you know, people giving birth or, you know, people that are in the hospital for different diseases or, you know, emergency surgeries or things like that, and then you throw all this on top of it. Uh, that's why we're taking some of the measures that we are right now. So everyone have a great rest of the week, and uh, if you have any questions, again, kbone1070 on Twitter and 1075thefan.com for your latest Colts chatter. See ya. Deuces. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.